I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, this is it, folks. This is the home stretch. This is the time. There is there is no time to mail in your ballots anywhere that I'm aware of. And even if there is, I wouldn't chance it. If I were you, you need a drop box. You need to walk it into a county clerk's office or some sort of site that's assigned to you by the state that allows you to drop off your ballot because this is crunch time. There are uh, really encouraging signs all across the country for those of us that love democracy anyways, that the early vote turnout in, for example, Texas is equal to the entirety of the vote in 2016, meaning that we're not even into the zone of counting the, the, the people who are going to show up on election day or, you know, and that's previous to in there, you know, in certain areas where you can continue to vote through the weekend in a lot of states, such as Nevada, um, Friday was the last date you could early vote. And now they take the weekend off. There is nothing on Monday. You got to come in Tuesday and vote in person or drop off your ballot on that day. Um, I suppose all weekend long you could put it in a drop box. But, they, but insofar as voting in person at an actual location, um, some states, and you can check which ones, have them. If your state has them, go to IWillVote.com or Vote.org and you will find out all the details you need. Now, in the age of the interwebs, we now have at our disposal as voters a, a what I would call an excuse uh, elimination machine that was not previously available to other generations. Now, keep in mind, most of the complaints people have about voting in general um are based on a what should happen. Um, you know, sh- we shouldn't have short lines. We shouldn't have um, have to wait this long. We should, you know, there should be a holiday, and you should have the day off. But you're, we've already got a law that says your boss is supposed to give you time off to vote, anyways. So a lot of it rolls back into shouldn't I be able to vote from my phone? Shouldn't it be this easy? I, I think a certain level of of focused attention would be helpful. I don't, I'm not looking for the American idling of our voting system because God knows if, if you think uh, president Trump is wait is bad, wait till, you know, we have president, you know, William hung or president uh, Gary Busey, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a certain point where <laughs> the troll vote is mighty if you're not careful. So, but over the course of, you know, this uh, voting cycle and the drive to get everyone to vote. And I recognize this is a presidential election and in the attention goes to the vote every four years. And there's, a, you know, there are those only, you know, only during the presidential election voters who I often find gripe the most about voting because they do it less often. And so it's not a habit for them. And so when it comes up every four years, they've forgotten how hard it was last time. But they re- they also forgot that they didn't vote for whoever their secretary of state was or their governor was, who you know, who may appoint their secretary of state if one leaves to run for, you know, being a representative or what have you. So it kind of matters. Right. Um, 
regardless, we're going to go over, I don't want to get too Steve Karnacki on everybody, but we are going to go over the current state of the polls right now. Um, and there are many ways that this could shake out. This is, uh, you know, no surprise to anyone. The, the candidates themselves are aware that everything is on the line. The, the Trump campaign is doing, I believe, four rallies in Pennsylvania alone today. That's it. They are all in on Pennsylvania because they can't afford an ad buy. So the president himself has to snake oil his way across the state. Which, considering we have our first alleged billionaire president, this is ex- an extraordinary turn of events that the, the that our first billionaire president can't afford to run ads in the crucial last week of an election because his donors have dried up because they don't want to throw good money after bad. And many of them on, you know, on background to a lot of newspapers and even outwardly are saying they wish they had put their money into the Senate candidate in their area, the Republican there, instead of into Trump, because it might have actually benefited. It might actually have helped them. So um, there are, there's all kinds of shenanigans going on, um, and the chat room is abuzz with them, not the least of which is, um, you know, a uh, people with Trump flags on their trucks harassing a Biden tour bus for a state representative candidate in Texas who's going to events. They had to cancel an event because of armed people, which, which I mean— Nothing says you're winning like you have to run people off with guns. You know what I mean? Nothing says you've got the best ideas like I might have to shoot people to stop them from voting. Um, it is a, a a spectacular display of, of both PR in terms of the Trump campaign and where they're going and what their message is in the final days, the you know of this campaign, and the dwindling attacks that they've had. Watching them try to hunt for a a winning formula, the way they stumbled into one in 2016. In 2016. Everyone is very aware that the Comey attack on on Hillary Clinton, where he came out and said there may be something to this, and there ultimately was not. Trump's own DOJ fought as hard as they could to find anything criminal and 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 or unethical in what Hillary Clinton did as far as their bleach bidding and destroying devices after they leave the State Department, which is what you're supposed to do. So they don't fall into the hands of, uh, you know, you don't just chuck them in the garbage and hope there aren't any Russians or Chinese or or Saudis or or Turks or whomever works with Mike Flynn this week sifting through your garbage because they do. Anyways, so the, the that that fails. But 2016 had that it had a moment that it had a, a genuine October surprise. It had this weird thing where Jim Comey comes out and says, we need to look into this a little bit more. And that in and of itself was enough to play against Hillary Clinton's, you know, low likability ratings compared to other candidates and diminish 
the voting turnout for people who may have supported her and people who are willing to roll the dice on on Trump figuring he's a loudmouth, but he'll be okay. Not recognizing that the reason he's a loudmouth is because he talks his way out of all of his failures uh, using PR, either through a fake PR character, John Barron, calling into Forbes and talking his way onto a list he by no measure belonged on um, or talking his family into giving him $53 million just to, for cash because he was, his company was cash poor and couldn't run f- and was going to shut down in months. And the entire family's tax fraud scream, uh, scheme would collapse under the weight of, uh, of if, if the Trump organization vanished. So they had no choice. And the apprentice itself was a, a you know, a failing fading game show near the end um, that was that became effectively the celebrity apprentice because it was a mockery. The idea that successful people, uh, you know, who had had careers all their own would take business advice from this clown was, you know, it, it was a it was basically a giant punked episode done over many seasons. So the last hurrah of these campaigns, what they are based on, where are they going? What's the final, what do they think is their biggest winning argument? We're going to look at that when we come back after the break. And we're also going to look at the 538 numbers and some of the other polls that are coming out. Some that are wildly comforting and, and awash with paranoia and some that are um, too close for anyone's comfort and and how the campaigns look to expand their lead or protect their lead or turn a, a, the race around in the last couple of days is incredibly telling about the content, the actual content, the argument for their side. And we'll talk about that over the course of the show and take your calls as well. 773-763-9278. We'll take most of the calls in the second hour, of course. Um, but we'll be back right after this. This is the House Sparks Radio Program, mega worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. WCPT820.com is their website. Um, just program it into your phone. All your all your favorite sexy liberals and others are on there, so you can listen to the show. We'll be back right after this. Now let's get back with Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. So there are, um, I believe, four President Trump rallies in in uh, Philadelphia, or sorry, in Philadelphia, in, in Pennsylvania. They're probably all in the greater Philadelphia area. No, actually, they're probably more than likely in western Pennsylvania, in, in Pennsylvania. Um, but I will say that um, it... It's not surprising that he is desperately doing this push in Pennsylvania because they they do have a very an extraordinarily narrow uh, pathway to to victory in this. Now, hold on one second so I don't get feedback. Let me shut something down real quick. Um, They do. There's not a lot of places for in the case of this. Hold on one second. I'm going to. there's there's not a lot of options. The the chances of a, a Trump win in a in in the states he needs to win are narrowing moment by moment, and seemingly every time Donald Trump opens his mouth, 
he um, is, is in a situation where he is losing support. There are he has rock solid support in a in a large swath of people, and he is effectively running his own cult at this point. And if if he goes by the people that follow him around and show up for his events, um, then he he seems to take from that an indication that the greater public at large um, is supports him in an equal manner, not that he has a bunch of hardcore sycophants who will go anywhere he goes because by Donald Trump's measure of the popularity of something, then Reverend some young moon or um, uh, Joel Osteen are the greatest religious speakers um, in history and have more followers than any other religious leader in history, Christ included. Um, because of the volume and consistency of the people that they had showing up. you know, I mean, if you go by it, the, you know, pineapple, if pineapple farms are your measure, Jim Jones was, you know, was clearly uh, the, the greatest religious leader, um, you know, of the last half century. So Trump is, you know, making the case that there are so many people at his rallies that this must be indicative of a greater group of people who have to support me. This has to show that uh, I have a greater following than the news media will report. Look at all these people. Now, never mind the fact that um, dozens, if not hundreds of people um, that go to Trump's rallies in different sections of the country go to every single one. So he's he's got a lot of free repeaters. He's got a lot of um, you know, deadheaders or fish fans, you know, type followers who are, you know, wearing their Trump gear. And basically because there's no work to be had and there's a, all they've got is time off are following him around. And this is their community. It is why there's a growing QAnon presence at his rallies, not because there needs to be some sort of linear connection between QAnon and Republican thought or anything, but because it's a groundswell area and it's starting to push the other people out. Now it's, there's a new Stanford study that just came out um, that said that Donald Trump, uh, his, that 18 of his rallies that they studied have led to 30,000 specifically traced COVID cases and specifically 700 deaths. Donald Trump is 700 voters shy of his 2016 numbers in certain areas simply because he allowed them to die. They tracked uh, this is from June till uh, in Tulsa, the the, the Tulsa one to um, Middleton in, let's see, on September 26th. And this includes, you know, Fayetteville, Indiana and uh, Latrobe, Wisconsin and Winston-Salem and uh, Yuma, Arizona, Old Forge and and Pittsburgh. And in these gatherings, um, they have tracked at least 700 deaths directly linked to the, the contagion itself that they got from the the Trump rallies. Now, this is, you know, one of the things, and and I'm 
A, I, I do not wish this illness uh, on anyone, and I certainly do not wish death on anyone. So let's be abundantly clear. So anytime I'm joking around the outside of this, it is, uh, it is simply gallows humor. It's something horrible. But there is no indication that the 30,000 cases of COVID that were caused by these rallies, all of them anyways, or the 700 deaths themselves, are Trump supporters. They are tied to the Trump rallies, but they could be Democrats, independents. They could be Joe Jorgensen voters. They could be, you know, non-voters. They could be, you know, visiting foreign dignitaries, for all we know. There is no listing of the actual human beings and their names. But the paper um, tracks 700 deaths, people who may not have even gone to this rally, who are like, I don't, I'm not worried about it, that crowd may have taken that disease home and killed a relative who, you know, they would have argued with over Thanksgiving, but that person is no longer with us. Trump has directly, because of his need to have rallies, specifically led to 30,000 COVID cases and 700 deaths. All the while, Mocking not only Joe Biden for having social distancing and masking at their at the gatherings and rallies that they do um, or having people just simply stay in their car and honk their horn, um, which really gives this feeling that, uh, you know, they set the rally up in the middle of the road like a like a protest. (laughs) Trump always calls. uh, Well, um, Trump gathers his rallies using uh, a. They call them a peaceful protest on paper um, so that they can use that as an excuse to gather in states that have limitations on on public gatherings. Unfortunately for him, um, while the the ruling is about peaceful protests and that everyone in that peaceful protest should do their best to socially distance, wear a mask and the like, take precautions, wear gloves, perhaps or wash their hands regularly, um, while they print his campaign prints out items that say peaceful protests for people to hold up, Trump himself keeps referring to them as friendly protests. So he can't even keep within the legal language necessary to make it functional. So anyways, this is um, this is not surprising, I don't think, to anyone who has been looking at you know, the, the Trump rallies that they would lead to infections and deaths. That is very much the warning um, that that we deal with, you know, every time he has one, it's become like a you've given up on it in many ways. Um, when there were protests, you know, starting with George Floyd and and others and then spreading throughout the country, there was a constant concern that these would be super spreader events if people didn't wear masks and the like. And, and a good deal of people, especially in the, in the actual peaceful protest, the actual protesters, not not rioters and looters and anarchists and agitators who um, are not part of the protest, for the record. They're not protesters. They're not. They're thieves and vandals, and they undermine the purpose of them. And in the case of the Boogaloo Boys, um, have fired on police officers and police precincts in an attempt to, to be agent provocateurs and cause violence against actual peaceful protesters. So um, I would not, I don't think anyone would argue that the Boogaloo Boys themselves are any of the other racist uh, subversive groups 
that have caused trouble at these protests are are protesting what happened to George Floyd and others. I'm guessing it's not in their, you know, their founding documents. They're in their, to to borrow a a term the president likes, their manifesto. So um, what we do know, though, is that from the, when, when people gather in large groups during this time, the spread is growing and the death rate is continuing to climb. We lost a thousand people on Friday. Um, we are back up to a thousand a day. It had dropped down as mitigation efforts had been taken across the country. But as people buck those trends and as the Trump campaign insists on having, you know, these, these super spreader events everywhere they go, they end up in a situation where the community is poisoned by these gatherings. And he's going to do four in Pennsylvania. And two weeks from now, after the election, there will be a spike in, in infections in Pennsylvania. Now, I don't want to get into this uh, two minutes uh, before we have to, to take a break. But in terms of uh, the, the current polls, 538, which is sort of the gathering point, and everybody was gun shy about what the polls mean for, you know, this time versus last time, how it's going to, you know, shake down. What are the chances over the course of the last two months? The 538 has this one graphic that if you go there um, and you look at our the our prediction um, part of the site and it gives you what are the chances that Trump wins versus what are the chances that Biden wins? And they have like a different picture of the United States with different uh, states won by different people. Um, And they show what it would take for each one to win. There are six, 12, 20. uh, There's 24 different scenarios that they run major scenarios. And in those 24 different scenarios, Trump wins in only two of them. And it's a route across the the below the Bible Belt, um, and it includes um, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, um, Nevada, Arizona. Like these, these are extraordinary pylons of wins. Like the and and the Electoral College map itself. It, which is reflective of the size of, you know, the population of some of these states. Some of the states, while you win them, you only get, you know, two or three electoral votes out of a state like, you know, like that. But, you know, he has to take some of these bigger states to actually get it, including Alaska. Um, so 22 out of 24 different scenarios, Biden is winning the electoral college breakdown of this, not just the 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 popular vote, which he is set to win by every measure. The concern has always been the Electoral College. And and in the last month, the the chances of Trump's win have dropped by two states in this estimation. He was winning in four different games, the ways they gamed it out. Now he's only winning by two. He has cut his chances in half in terms of looking at winning the electoral college through the you know through the rest of this, which is why 
largely because they have no ad money and they haven't been, you know, their, their turnout in these states isn't, isn't good. The overwhelming volume of voters that's coming out. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. And we're going to run down through this stuff. Uh, and again, this is, there, there is no guarantee in this win, but this is reflective of what happens if you vote. If, if you get out there, you, you know, you must, if you have not voted already and you were planning on mailing in your vote, you need to drop it off in a drop box or you need to go vote in person. You can take your mail-in vote to a polling station, fill it out there, and and drop it off in person if you want. If you're worried about your state's rules about signatures and whatnot, that's a great way to take care of that part of it. Um, but we'll be back right after this. It's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Chris, you know what I hate? What? I haven't been able to go on vacation. I haven't left the house. So I've been on my social media and I'm seeing all these pictures from like the past come up. And I realized, oh, my God, I look tired. Like there's wrinkles under my eyes. I've got bags under my eyes. Uh Uh-huh, those crow's feet. I know. I like my laugh lines. So I'll leave those. But the bags under my eyes, no me gusta. No. Nuh-uh. No. And as the pandemic, hopefully we get this fixed and we can leave the house again. I'd like to look a little better from a public. From a public, that's why I got Plexiderm. Now, Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags, all in the comfort of your home, which is great because we still can't leave it. That's right. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody's going to know you're wearing it. It, I really do love this. It works in minutes. You can look just 10 years younger in minutes. The results will blow you away. So get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer and in this fall in this winter and you know what even when you have that mask on it's your eyes that are smizing we're smizing at people (laughs) and you want to have you want to make sure your eyes look young 10 years younger while we smize at people (laughs) so go to try go to triplexiderm.com and use my code voices for half off of a full-size bottle of plexiderm plus you're going to get additional ten dollars off or you can try 1495 trial pack which i actually love today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and just mention code voices Again, visit triplexiderm.com and use code VOICES for a half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or you can try the $14.95 trial pack, whatever you would like. Just go in now and use code VOICES and get some Plexiderm. Go do it. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. So, um, uh, and by the way, uh, I was just asked a question by B.D. Newton in our chat room, and the answer is Yes. So um, Biden is favored to win the election. Ninety percent of of the simulated 40,000 times that 538 simulated the election to see who wins the most often using the sample of 100 outcomes. It gives them a good idea of the range of scenarios their model thinks is possible. And 90 out of 100 times Biden wins that Trump wins 10. Now, this is presuming that people actually do what they say and vote. And this is also a mixture of, um, thank you, Lady Cosmic Rose. Um, this is also, a, you know, using the early vote as well. And we know that Republicans hate voters. We know this. They don't like people voting. It's a terrible way to choose leaders. The Electoral College, that's what it's for. I mean, that's why they're, you know, a, 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 a republic. That's, wh- that's why they argue that we're a republic, we're a democratic republic, but blah, 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 drop off the democratic part. Whereas Democrats argue that one person, one vote, that this should matter across the country. 
that every person's vote should matter equally to every other person's vote. And the Republicans vote the, you know, they argue these are the essential modus operandi and the raison d'etre of both of these parties. What is the essence beyond the policies of each of these parties? What do they believe? What are they? What are their? What is their founding principle? The founding principle of the Republican Party is an electoral college based governing system is Senate and executive based. And the Democratic version is House and individual based. I know the irony is palpable, but that's the reality. But these two parties, beyond what you know, you think they're the, the left leaning aspects of the Democratic Party are and the right wing parts of the Republican Party are beyond all that, beyond taxation, beyond, uh, you know, the, the root existence of these parties. Is the Democratic Party is run on the idea that we every person's vote matters as much as everyone else's vote. And that's what's got to be crucial. And that's why the the House itself has is population based, whereas the Senate is two senators per state. That's it. Now, uh, one of the scariest things for Republicans right now is the fear. And it's a it's a legit one that they should be scared of is statehood for Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. Now, D.C. is not going to get statehood in its form um, without isolating out the other aspects of of the federal government, meaning that the only part of Washington, D.C. that would get statehood would be the outlying areas that are not federal government focused places, not, you know, the the White House, the Capitol, all the monuments, um, all the surrounding areas that need to be secure for all those places to be secure. The land where the Smithsonian sits, the, all the em, em, embassy row, all those kind of things. Those areas are not getting abstract statehood. So if D.C. ever gets statehood, it will effectively become, the, you know, a the smallest state in the union. But, you know, a third the size of what it is currently. Um, because there is no way that any of the states would have dual Senate control and congressional control individually over based on that small group of voters over the use of and the function of the buildings that house our government. It it would be effectively unsafe. There's a hundred reasons why this has been a battle. But Puerto Rico uh, and and arguably to some degree the US Virgin Islands why they wouldn't get statehood is beyond anybody and why you know Puerto Ricans as effectively US citizens who can if they move to Florida can vote but can't vote on their own ground what the heck like that that's nonsense and most people recognize it as nonsense and and Puerto Rico itself wants to be a part of the United States being its own country um, doesn't benefit it long term. The support structure of the U.S. is a great thing to have for them, and most would agree. I'm sure there's some outliers, but for the vast majority um, of, of people in Puerto Rico, they want it to become a state. And if it becomes a state, there is no guarantee that it will be um, a Democrat 
space long term if the Republicans actually had an argument and policies that would actually benefit the Puerto Rican people. The problem is the Republicans don't want to start crafting a policy that would benefit the people of Puerto Rico to win over those voters, because if they did so, they would lose the support of a good many of their mainland voters in the process. It's really hard to keep the the what would be effectively the the Cracker Barrel Peckerwoods clan on board if you're starting to recognize the needs uh, and and aid and benefit the people of Puerto Rico. It turns off the other group that you've been counting on all this time. So it sets some infighting going on if they're actually going to appeal to that group. So, again, there's no guarantee. You just make your case. People of Puerto Rico are not automatons. They're not you know, robots are not going to, you know, and they, there's no reason why they would have to be monolithic as voters either. You make your case. But the Republicans know that if they start making their case to the Puerto Ricans, then they're going to lose a big chunk of of their, you know, their more virulent racist crowd in, in you know, in solidly red states. And they can't afford that. So um, they don't want to be put in a position where they have to make that case. So they're just basically ceding Puerto Rico to the Democrats, if it happens, it's going to be democratic for at least a generation um, until they can find a message that, uh, eventually that can, you know, they can do covertly or overtly that protects their their base. So this is they're they're scared to death that Puerto Rico ends up becoming a state and then gets two senators and some congressional representation because it effectively ends their control of the Senate over time. And that's really all they care about. Bill Barr himself is a supreme executive um, conceptualist. He believes in the supreme executive power of the presidency, but that the presidency is decided by the electoral college, not by the individual voter. And the maintenance of that idea is the is the founding concept of the Republican Party. The founding concept of the Democratic Party is, and 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 certainly has been since. These two parties switched nameplates in this in 1964 because of the Civil Rights Act, where the Dixiecrats angered at the at at the uh, racial openness of northern Democrats became Republicans and the Republicans who were, you know, tired of the kind of. Old world um, or the or the. The Republicans that were leaning towards a more, you know, southern policy um, became, you know, basically they switched. The, the Democrats who were like southern Democrats became Republicans. Northern Republicans became Democrats. And because they were uh, uh, everyone became disgusted by, uh, you know, half of their party at that point. So the name switched. So everything, yes, it's true. Everything Dinesh D'Souza tells you is is ridiculous. Um, and I mean, what are they going to do? How are they supposed to answer this? That they're effectively the party of modern racism is trying to paint themselves as, and no, we're actually, we were totally not racist um, before we chose to be racist actively in the 60s. So over the course of the, you know, this switching around, the big fear that the Republicans have is that the that Biden will get in. The court packing idea is the least of their worries. What they're really worried about is statehood for Puerto Rico, which guarantees that even over the course of the next, 
you know, this generation, they have to they have to acquiesce to the demands of and, and recognize the, the values and needs of the Puerto Rican people in a way that um, they're not willing to do otherwise. So the currently there is a when they've gamed this out 40,000 times and they go down to 100 uh, outcomes, 90 percent of the time Biden wins, 10 percent of the time Trump wins. And that's not never. And what it entails is an enormous number of states having to go Trump's way. Um, the there is uh, they run a thing. Their simulations they go all possible electoral college outcomes for each candidate. Um, for each candidate with higher bars, showing outcomes that appeared more than forty thousand simulations. Um, uh, the smooth rolling average dies after about. Uh, you know, the potentiality for him getting more than 306, which is his winning number, 305 last time, um, are are a rarity and very, the, the chances are very low. Biden, they, they've run a bunch wherein, they I mean, they have dozens of these where Biden's coming out with a tremendous number. The, here's the crossover ones. They are looking at, in terms of their winding path to victory, that, that they are leaning at this current state in the race. Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, and Arizona are leaning Democratic. They are, they are counting on just the vast numbers, and they're going on a couple of different things. It's not just polling. It's early voting factored in as well. And in a lot of these cases, a lot of these states, the early vote is equal to or greater than or a huge significant amount of the entirety of the vote last time, which means that the people who are willing to go stand in line, uh, both on, you know, the assumption is the vast majority of the people willing to stand in line on election day will be Republicans. But that is not necessarily gaming out to be the case. And a lot of Democrats are are planning on standing in line on election day or the day before, depending on how this early vote plays out. So but they are giving, um, you know, a situation where Biden takes Pennsylvania, Nevada, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Hampshire, all, all these kinds that are leading. He hits 270. And he's still got wiggle room. And this is an extraordinary, um, you know, this the way this played out, we got to take a break. But the way this played out in 2016, everybody was kind of counting on, you know, of course she's going to win. Of course she's going to win. But Hillary Clinton was always within the margin of error in all of these states. And especially in the swing states of the battleground states, they were giving it to her because she is so soundly locked and she did win the popular vote by the exact measure that they said three million votes. But that Comey effect. And the last week before the election led to a 78,000 vote drop in some crucial areas in Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, 78,000 votes. One effectively one county, a minor county in this country, not voting for president, not and not that they voted for Trump, that they just didn't vote at all, but would have voted for Hillary Clinton, would have or voted the rest Democrats. That that in and of itself changed everything. 
There is nothing in the circumstance as far as the voters will this time that looks like it's playing out that way in spite of the pandemic. The only thing that sits out there as an outlier that a lot of people are afraid of is votes not being counted. Votes that legitimate votes sent by legitimate voters that are going to be trashed or left behind or not counted because they didn't arrive on time because Louis DeJoy is acting um, as, you know, as a wall against this. And there is we talk a lot about whether or not the next administration will prosecute people for, uh, you know, crimes they committed in office. I would argue that the one area where I think it would be fairly simple and and even the political pushback on it wouldn't be that strong would be the prosecution of Louis DeJoy for every delayed piece of mail he oversaw because of active measures he took to do that very thing. There is enough evidence that's been in the public record to make a case that he stopped at least one person from voting, and that's a good five years. There's probably four counts in there leading to up to 20 years that Louis DeJoy could do, and there's tens of thousands of voters that he's done that to. If not millions, we'll see. We'll be back right after this. This is Tom Harmon, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Um, for 24 hours um, on Election Day. So starting at 9 a.m. on Tuesday, approximately, might be 10 a.m., depends on when, Pacific time, uh, for 24 hours, whenever I start, I will be on streaming for, we're doing a 24-hour feed. I'm just going to be live for 24 hours. Even if that means me passing out on camera for three hours or taking a nap, that's how it works. Just going to um, do my best to stay awake the whole time. Um, but that's the plan um, from the, you know, from when the polls start being active across the country and what the stories are coming in. I'm sure it will be a news heavy day to when they, you know, when they, you know, when they close and as they count them and all this stuff, <clears throat> we will soldier on for 24 hours. It's going to be nutty. We'll be playing with cats during that time. We will be having multiple meals. We'll be talking to you. I may have a video game set up where I'm gaming during part of it. If there's a part where we just have to stop for a minute, but we will do it for 24 hours. Um, Twitch.tv slash Hal Sparks. Now, so one of the things that um, you've seen you know, during this whole, um, you know, in 2016, we dealt with the Comey breakout, which ended up, like I said, being nothing for the record. Barr and Trump's own Department of Justice did their best. You don't think they if they'd have found a single crime they could have gotten Hillary Clinton for, they wouldn't have gone after it. And they couldn't. They tried desperately and they failed, not surprisingly. Just like they tried desperately to find a crime in the unmasking of Mike Flynn, um, based on the idea that they knew it was Mike Flynn and they unmasked him just to prove it. Uh, um, the whole point of unmasking is that you don't know who's on the other end of the phone calling the villain, um, and you need to find out. But in the process, um, you know they were not able to find anything. But, but the Comey effect... 
mattered. It affected the vote. People went, I don't know about this Hillary Clinton person. And this, you know, we've always talked about maybe a, not having a politician. There. So I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to give this guy, a, I know he's a serial sexual assaulter and I know he's had six bankruptcies and, and you know, he's gotten a lot of sketchy money. You know, we now know $275 million in forgiven loans from Deutsche Bank, which is of course just uh, according to Rudy Giuliani, evidence of money laundering when anybody else does it. But when Trump does it, it's just because he's a smart businessman. But so what's the big bomb that they were going to drop on everybody? It was this idea that Hunter Biden it, and is part of a horribly corrupt scheme. And Joe Biden um is in on it, is the mastermind behind it, forces his son to do this on his behalf, um, and is this master tactician of, of, of graft and money laundering and villainous activity and horror in all these countries threaded throughout the entire country, from Ukraine to China to the Middle East uh, to Iran, all these places. And, and Biden is this villain that's been doing all this stuff. Now, um, Keep in mind, um, they also say that he's he was never smart and he's lost it even worse now. I mean, the, the, the Trump argument about Biden since which they took from the Bernie bro argument, which you, you could argue that a lot of the Bernie bros themselves were actually Trump supporters masquerading as Bernie supporters to artificially boost his campaign and create division in the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah, I, that's right. Hi, Murph. My cat just walked in because, no, you can't be on the air right now. I'm talking conspiracy theories and no one will believe you're a real cat. Thank you. So anyways, um, (laughs) that's the the cat just decided to come in. It's lovely. So um, in the course of this, um, they have been hoping that this would create the same effect as the as the Comey press conference did to Hillary Clinton in 2016. And. We've gone over the story a lot of times in my many, many times in my live stream every day. And some of you are already caught up in this. But in case you don't know the the greater broad strokes of it, is that Rudy Giuliani comes out with this uh, idea that they found this laptop at a um, a repair shop run by a, a, a legally blind man who never actually saw Hunter Biden bring in these laptops. He bought in three laptops, left them, never came back for them, um, made one phone call once. He was sure it was him and um, never filled out an invoice um, until he was asked for one by the press to prove that they'd been dropped off. He only knew that it was Hunter Biden who dropped it off because it had a Bo Biden Foundation sticker on the outside of the laptop itself that um, Hunter dropped these things off, never came back from them. They were full of incriminating evidence. And um, this is, this was a story Rudy Giuliani puts out. We find out later that he is one of Rudy's um, helpers in this and who's been boosting the story tells um, the New York Post initially that it wasn't that these were left at the at a Delaware repair shop magically after Biden had been looking for dirt on uh, Hunter. Uh, sorry, uh, Giuliani had been looking for dirt on Hunter Biden in Ukraine for two years straight, meeting with people, meeting with Russian agents and assets, people he's had to distance himself from. But he has multiple videos of himself interviewing on his own channel on YouTube. Good times. 
meeting with them in secret sites and, and at cafes in Italy, all paid for, by the way, uh, by Trump campaign funds. So that's, you know, not only can you catch COVID at a rally, but you can also pay to fly Rudy Giuliani to Italy to smoke cigars with a Russian asset while he hands him a zip drive that disappears. So he's for two years, Giuliani is barnstorming Europe, trying to find stuff on Hunter Biden. And lo and behold, the whole time it was just sitting in a repair shop in Delaware. How easy was that? Fantastic. Um, then. Um, but this guy comes out and goes, actually, no, the, the story was initially that it was found because Hunter Biden left it behind at the house of his shrink who works for Fox News and never came back for it. And his shrink, who apparently has patient uh, physician confidentiality, gave it to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer to have it hacked by the Delaware laptop laptop repair shop that he happens to know because that guy knows Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. So he brought it to the shop to have it opened. And they've only seen half the hard drive that apparently has untoward um, graphic pictures of underage girls, alleged underage girls, that Rudy Giuliani waited a year to turn over to anyone and slept with. He sleeps with the hard drive, according to him. Uh, Yeah, so that's the state of the story. And when we come back, we'll explain the saga of how, since that started to flop around that story tucker carlson decided to pick up the uh ball and run with it and decided to take a bunch of damaging hunter biden documents that he got from all sorts of different sources he won't say where you know uh but he's going to take all those documents to california to interview a former partner of hunter biden's who got broomed by the company um and you know who trump would call a, a disgruntled employee and they mailed themselves a zip, a, a thumb drive of the documents and su- and magically it fell out of an envelope uh, that wasn't sealed or something like that and then got returned to them, even though they had other copies and God knows why they wouldn't just ma- we transfer the documents since they plan to make them public. Anyways, um, that story didn't pan out. And we'll talk about that after we come back after the news and a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Mark Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Did you know that a large percentage of the face masks sold on the market today are fraudulent? Many of them claim to have levels of filtration they don't meet or worse, have literally no filtration at all. A very small number of manufacturers have respirator face mask models that are tested in the U.S. by the NPPTL and authorized by the FDA. Buying a mask model that has been FDA authorized is the best way to ensure you and your family are getting true respirator masks. These masks filter to greater than 95% efficiency, and they can be reworn, making them a perfect choice, as wearing masks is one of the key things we can do to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe. Right now, the New Deal Shop Dot com has FDA-authorized KN95 respirator masks with the anti-fake stickers on every single package. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free 
for our listeners by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL. You can even get 10% off the clean phone UV sanitizer for just buying these FDA-authorized masks. Go to thenewdealshop.com and now get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com, code SEXYLIBERAL. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Millions of people have already cast their ballots in this election, and millions more will. Um, we've got the, the, in the last days in the run-up, both candidates are going to be in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Um, there is, uh, um, Trump is going to be in Kenosha, um, where he's going to claim that Kenosha wouldn't exist if it wasn't for him. Um, and Biden is planning on hitting uh, Iowa, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, all places Trump won last time and all places where um, they really do have a shot to pull it out. Clinton won Minnesota uh, in 2016 by a very small margin, by a little bit. And that was with what would they would effectively say were personality difficulties in the in the race, uh, not to mention sexism, misogyny, misogyny and the rest. But but on top of that, you know, a uh, effectively a 28 year strategy to destroy Hillary Clinton as a candidate if she ever decided she would run for office. Um, you know, basically, once she once Hillary care happened, she had a target on her back from that day on. So Trump will. Over the next couple of days, he's going to be today. He's in is uh, all over Pennsylvania tomorrow, Michigan, Iowa, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Um, the day after that, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and then Michigan again. Biden um, today is in Flint, Michigan and Detroit, Michigan. Tomorrow he's in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. And on the on Monday, they they're doing a barnstorming tour of Pennsylvania um, while uh, Kamala Harris is going to Georgia and North Carolina. Um, it's interesting that they list where Kamala is going, um, but not where Pence as a surrogate is going for Trump. And, you know, there are a bunch of areas where the rest of them are, um, where they're, I suppose he, he could go with him. Maybe he's they're They're finishing it out together or, and he's going to open for him as a dual ticket thing. But, there's nothing about Trump's candidacy and presidency that says that Pence is a selling point for anybody, especially anymore. The idea that he was going to bring on evangelicals who were put off by Trump's personality has been totally put to the side by the fact that that um, Trump is now a favorite of evangelicals for reasons no one can explain other than the idea that he would allegedly put Amy Coney Barrett on the um, to get rid of Roe v. Wade and that it's been an anti-abortion move on their part all along, which considering the lean of the court and the fact that nobody is really teed up to be retiring anytime soon, um, the president uh, has outlived his usefulness. And there's a, a lot of good reasons why evangelicals could abandon him or not bother to vote because you're not going to get any more lifetime appointments than that. So, over the next couple of days, there's I mean, obviously, my plate is pretty darn full. Um, 
I have a show tomorrow night at Flappers, flapperscomedy.com. You can stream it live there. I'm doing stand-up in a, in a way to, to kind of let off steam. It won't be political comedy. It will simply be comedy, an island of comedy, regular comedy in all of this. We, and, and I will be covering at least one of the rallies tomorrow of Trump's. And then also um, on Monday, uh, I will be running a bunch of these. Uh, I will do at least one. Then I've got a long drive ahead of me so that I'm home for the for, for election day. Wish me luck. And um, from that, by the way, here, uh, here's what I want to do. This is our last HSRPM before the election. Johnny Million will be back with us, by the way. They were in, they've been in mid-move for two weeks. They bought a new house and they moved and it's been crazy. So he wasn't able to join us for this week, but he'll be back next week. And on the other side of this election, the next time we're together as a show... The election will be over. We, you know, there may be some wailing and gnashing of teeth. There may be some fights from the Trump campaign um, or some pushback from the Biden campaign as as votes, votes are scuttled in certain areas. And each side has, you know, got a setup. Biden has an army of lawyers and enough money to pay them to deal with all these things. And Trump has Rudy Giuliani running his post-election litigation strategy, which is madness. Um, And insofar as I know, Rudy Giuliani is working for free. He gave him a dollar, I'm sure, to officially make him the, uh, you know, a a client. It's one of those moments like, give me a dollar. Why? Give me a dollar. Okay, now, now I'm your lawyer. You put me on retainer and now you can tell me whatever you want to tell me. And uh, I can't tell anybody. That's that's the Rudy Rudy Giuliani ploy with Donald Trump. But he is literally running. That's the good news. This is our good news for the week. Um, One is that the polls look good, but everybody has to vote. Um, The other side of it is, of course, that uh, Donald Trump has chosen Rudy Giuliani to run his post-election legal strategy. And that, I think, comes as a huge relief to anyone who actually thinks that there would be any kind of genuine legal fight put on by the Trump campaign um, that isn't written, you know, with with crayons and snot all over the paper. I don't know how in the world they expect to run an actual program with that. That said, um, we're rounding out the show. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Vote. If you can go to an early voting place today, if you haven't voted already, go vote. Go stand in line with your fellow Americans and show your love for flag and country and your respect for all the military people who have died protecting your right to choose your leaders, which is the primary right of every American. People died so you could do that. Go spend a few hours of your life using that right for good so that they didn't die in vain. So that every civil rights leader that was assassinated for trying to get more people to vote didn't waste their existence on you. 
We'll see you next week. It's the Alice Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I'm going to be on Stuttering John's podcast uh, at 12.30 today, my time, uh, Pacific time. So you can join us at Stuttering John's YouTube page for that. We'll be talking more about politics and polls, I have no doubt. And then uh, I will see you guys uh, tomorrow for more rally goodness. Have a great day. Take care of yourself and take care of somebody else. Chris, you know what I hate? What? I haven't been able to go on vacation. I haven't left the house. So I've been on my social media and I'm seeing all these pictures from like the past come up. And I realized, oh, my God, I look tired. Like there's wrinkles under my eyes. I've got bags under my eyes. Uh Uh-huh, those crow's feet. I know. Oh, I like my laugh lines. So I'll leave those. But the bags under my eyes, no me gusta. No. Nuh-uh. No. And as the pandemic, hopefully we get this fixed and we can leave the house again. I'd like to look a little better from from a public. That's why I got Plexiderm. Now, Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags all in the comfort of your home, which is great because we still can't leave it. That's right. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody's going to know you're wearing it. it. I really do love this. It works in minutes. You can look just 10 years younger in minutes. The results will blow you away. So get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer and in this fall and this winter. And you know what? Even when you have that mask on, it's your eyes that are smizing. We're smizing at people. <laughs> yes. And you want to have, you want to make sure your eyes look young, 10 years younger while we smize at people. <laughs> so go to try, go to triplexiderm.com and use my code voices for half off of a full size bottle of Plexiderm. Plus you're going to get additional $10 off, or you can try 1495 trial pack, which I actually love today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and just mention code voices. Again, visit triplexiderm.com and use code VOICES for a half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or you can try the $14.95 trial pack, whatever you would like. Just go in now and use code VOICES and get some Plexiderm. Go do it.